Welcome to the New Hope Leeward podcast. Can we give our worship and creative teams another hand? That was amazing. That felt like a finale, but it's not even over. Like it was so, it was so good. And that uh, that song that you heard, Victory Sound, that was actually written by our team. So that's an original song. Yeah, you man, that's amazing. Some of you here on the radio, hopefully one day. My name is Josiah Norgan. I'm the senior pastor here at this church. If you are uh, brand new or newer to New Hope Leeward, we are so glad that you are here today. Thank you so much for joining us. I want to do something a little bit different in the message today. Instead of looking at the resurrection, we usually do that on Easter. Today, I want to look at the result of the resurrection. In the Gospels, we have three different stories, three different times in which Jesus raises someone dead back to life. Now, these stories are in the Bible to prove God's power and to prove Jesus was who he said he was. But I also believe that we have these stories because they serve as a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do for every single one of us. Would you say amen? Amen. That is a, a physical example of a spiritual truth. If you have your Bible today, turn with me to Mark 5. We're going to camp out in this one story together here today. As you saw in that beautiful uh, drama and that dance on the screen, we're going to look at this story that involves Jesus, a man named Jairus, and his little girl. Now, for me as a father, uh, this story is always gut-wrenching for me because in case you don't know me super well, hi, I uh, married my high school sweetheart, and we had a basketball team together. Uh, We have five kids together. And we've entered into the size of family now that people look at us and try to figure us out. And because uh, my skin is of the Howley variety, they look at us and try to figure out if we are military or we are Mormons. It's got to be one, got to be one or the other, right? And, and people look at us wherever we go and we'll give us crazy, uh, wait, we're not ready for my daughter here. Give us crazy, like unsolicited advice, like just crazy, like, Random people. So this happened the other day. Kamakana Lee. This is totally true. Um, was uh, chatting it up with this this couple and the middle aged guy. Before we parted ways, he gave me this advice as a father of five. Me being a father of five, he said, "Maybe you guys should stop." And I was like, "Talk to my wife, bro. She can't keep her hands off me." Now again, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I will say that next time. Okay, I was too stunned. I couldn't say anything in the moment. And this happened, this is another time, even a little bit earlier than that, this was at Target Coppola parking lot. I know it sounds like I'm making this up. I wish I was. A random other middle-aged man walked by my wife and I, and in passing said to us, did you guys ever take sex ed in high school? And I was like, clearly, sir, we know what we're doing, okay? Like, <laughs> clearly, clearly we did, okay? So, <laughs> so we're at this this, this huge family now, and I got, I got four boys, and I have one uh, sweet little girl, one princess appropriately named Aurora. So this is Aurora. This is my daughter when she was younger. This is her now when she's eight, and I'm freaking out, and I want her to be young again and little. And um, when you're a dad and you have a daughter, something snaps in your mind. You turn into a psychopath. I saw this pretty quickly you know, my, I had a son first, and when he was three, and he'd be at the park, and he'd be, like, chatting it up with little girls, right, just, like, babbling to them, and I'd be like, yeah, son, get it. It's like your old man, you know, like, uh, <laughs> get her number, and, um, 
when I had a little girl, man, little boys would come up to my daughter and start talking to her. And I'd be like, no, 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 let's go find mom and dad. Where's mom and dad? Are they over there? Yeah, <laughs> scumbag, get out of here. You know? <laughs> it's my little girl. I would do anything for any of my kids. I love all of them so, so much. I talk about them all the time. I would do anything for my kids, especially my baby girl. And Jairus is no different. So we know this is his only daughter, and she's 12 years old. So Mark 5, and we'll start off in verse 21. And what I want to look at is Jairus' journey of faith. So we're going to look at the end result of the resurrection. We know this little girl is going to be raised at the end. But I want to look at the part that we kind of skip through in this story. I want to look at Jairus' journey to faith because I think it's going to have a lot of parallels with your story. Verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. So a synagogue leader was kind of like a modern-day pastor. They were responsible with overseeing the business and the spiritual affairs of the temple. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him. So Jairus is pleading with Jesus. My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So looking at Jairus' journey to faith, you can write down, this is where it starts for us. At the end of yourself, so at the end of your own know-how, your own strength, your own power, at the end of yourself lies the beginning of your walk with Christ. Now here's what I mean by this. There might be exceptions to this rule. I'm sure there are. But I have found most times people come to faith or they come back to faith not because life is so good. People do not come to faith because they are already so blessed. Many times it's because they realize that they are indeed so broken. And I'm not saying that every single bad thing in your life is directly from God. But I am making a point that faith becomes relevant when you and I no longer see a way forward. Would you say amen? That you and I as human beings, we tend to look up for answers when we have exhausted every other answer in front of us. That you and I are brought to our knees in prayer when life finally gets too heavy and we cannot carry the burden anymore. I think every single one of us was brought to that place over these last two years, including Christians. I think every single one of us was brought there. The level of trauma that we have never experienced as a people before. And so I wanna say this right in the beginning. I want you to know that you're in very good company here today. If your marriage is struggling, if you're struggling as a parent, I know you look at everybody's Instagram and everybody's life looks perfect and you compare their highlights to all of your bloopers every single day. But can I tell you, if your marriage is struggling, you're struggling as a parent, you are not alone. If you are struggling to make ends meet right now, you are struggling to make sense of life in general, you are not alone. If you are struggling with depression, anxiety, you're struggling to make a sense of life if you're hopeless, you're actually a very common statistic. You are not any less of a Christian if you are struggling with mental health. If you're heartbroken, you're tired, you're empty, you feel a sense of loss, you are not alone. Would you say amen, church? You're not alone. And this is why we're in church. Sometimes we get it twisted. We are not in church to parade our perfection around. 
We are in church because our soul screams out that we need a savior. We need Jesus. That's why we're here in the first place. So if you're struggling today, you are in good company. Would you say amen, church? In good company. There's treasure in our trials. There is blessing in our brokenness. There is beauty in our need because what our need does is it reveals the one that we need. So I don't rejoice in what you've been through. I don't rejoice in what you've endured, but I rejoice in maybe the fact that it brought you here into church today. Our worst circumstances can lead us to the best places. And so for Jairus, we see it lead him directly to the feet of Christ. This guy, this synagogue leader who normally has all the answers, people go to him for answers and prayer. Finally, he has nothing left. And he finds himself in the dirt at the feet of Christ, begging. So it says pleading earnestly in the scriptures. He is begging Jesus to come to his house. He's desperate. Verse 24. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. So let me kind of bring you into this scene in this moment. There are a ton of people traveling with them, but they are not with Jairus. They do not care about Jairus. They do not care about Jairus' daughter. They just want to be close to Jesus, hear from Jesus, touch Jesus, just be around him. And so if you've ever tried to travel with a lot of people, so if you've ever left a concert, a UH game, when you leave church here today, we're all going to move slow, right? Because you move slow when you're with a crowd of people. And let me put you kind of in Jairus' shoes right now. He must be so frustrated because when you're in a rush, everything is an amplified inconvenience. Everything seems way longer than it is. I'll give you a couple examples. You know, if you leave your house and say you're a little bit late for work, but you're super hungry, so I'm gonna stop by McDonald's, drive through all the way out, you know, in Kapolei every single time, right? So you go inside. If you go inside to McDonald's that morning, I guarantee you one person on register and they will have a trainee badge. It'll be their first day on the job. And they'll act like they've never been on a register before. Only one guy in front of you, and that guy will act like he's never been in a McDonald's in his entire life. I once had a guy in front of me, and he, he asked the dumbest question ever. He said, what's in an Egg McMuffin? Bro, it's egg and McMuffin. It hasn't changed for 60 years. It's the same thing. Going crazy. You get in the car, and you know in Kapolei, right, it can take you five minutes or 45 minutes to get across town, depending on lights. And in that moment, every single pedestrian will choose to cross the street. And every high schooler, now if you're in high school, I'm so sorry, but I'm just going to pick on you for a moment. Every high schooler here in Kapolei, you all cross the street like this. And every morning, I fight myself because I want to roll down my window and I want to yell at you. Life gets so much harder after high school, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the encouraging pastor that I am. I don't, I don't turn into a pastor until about 9 a.m. So, um, <laughs> so last service didn't really get a good message, okay? So, <laughs> so, and then you'll get on the freeway, right? And every single person will have the audacity to go the speed limit, right? So if you're in a hurry, you have to pass them. And when you pass them, you got to give them the Molokai eye, like when you pass them, right? Which is dicey for me. Because sometimes I'll look over and it's just a big moke staring back at me. And I got to pretend like I'm not looking at him. <laughs> Maybe blow him a kiss. See what happens. Okay, so if I ever have a black eye on a Sunday, you'll know why. You know, I tried it. Jairus must be freaking out. Every single moment must feel like an hour, and it's going to get a lot worse for him. 
So this story is actually interrupted by another popular story in the Gospels. There's a woman that was bleeding for 12 years. And she ducks through the crowd and she touches the edge of Jesus' cloak and she's healed in that moment. I think we, we talked through this story a couple Easter's ago. It's a beautiful story. Jesus stops everything to call this woman forward. There's all this drama in this moment. Jesus exchanges words with her. We're going to skip over this part because it's a beautiful story for everyone except Jairus, who left his daughter on, on a chance, his dying daughter on a chance maybe that she would be healed. Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Jairus' heart must have sank. And he doesn't say anything, at least in scriptures, he doesn't say anything in this moment. But Jesus can probably see what's going on. So Jesus speaks into this moment. Verse 36. Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. That simple. He doesn't give this really long, elaborate sermon on worry and doubt. He says, don't be afraid, just believe. Verse 37, he did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. So Jesus sends the crowds away right now. But Jesus can probably sense that Jairus is hanging on by a thread. So he sends everybody else away, and they move forward from there. You can write this down if you're taking notes. Sometimes we only need enough faith to take the next step. Now, putting myself in this story, I don't think when Jesus said, don't be afraid, just believe, I don't think Jairus was like, yep, okay, I got that. I, I don't think that he wasn't a devout follower of Jesus. He probably never saw a miracle. He probably heard about miracles. So, Jesus, uh, so Jairus may have not had enough faith to not fear, but he has enough faith to keep going. I mean, what does he have to lose at this point? So as Jesus, Jairus, and a couple disciples walk, I imagine, in silence to the house, the silence is quickly interrupted. Verse 38. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. So we talked about this a couple months ago here at the church, that in Jewish culture, the more that you mourned for somebody, the more loved they were. So when a loved one passed away, it was common for you to cry and wail and make noise in the streets for even days on end. It was also common that you would hire professional mourners. And their job, like they didn't know you, they didn't know the person you lost, but their job was to come in and cry, wail, whine, play instruments, and make a ton of noise for the deceased. Now, one commentator even pointed out, if you were a poor man and your wife died, culturally it was expected that you would hire at least three professional mourners. So Jairus being um, a synagogue leader, this would have been a giant spectacle. Not only did you have people mourning that actually knew this girl, people in the town, but you also had professional mourners. And as he approaches the house, all of his senses are being bombarded by the fact that his daughter is no longer here. It's all sinking in for him. Verse 39. He went in. So this is Jesus. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. 
Now, Jesus knew that wasn't the case. He knew the child wasn't asleep. But look at verse 40. But they laughed at him. Now, I always thought this was like a nervous laughter. It's like a nervous laughter of people that are afraid to hope. But if you look at the original Greek, it was a mocking laughter. They were laughing at Jesus because it was a very ridiculous statement to make. They saw the little girl probably with their own eyes, no pulse. She is not breathing. I don't know what sliver of faith Jairus has left, but it can't be much. Now, would you go ahead and would you write this down? Trust Jesus above the noise. Okay, so to put this in kind of, to kind of string this together. At the end of yourself, so actually your faith actually begins in a place where you say, Jesus, I give up. I can't do this anymore. At the end of yourself lies the beginning of your walk with Christ. And sometimes you and I, we kind of get in our own head that, okay, now I have to be perfect and I have to take a hundred steps in the Lord. I got to know every scripture. No, no, no. You need enough faith to take the next step and the next step and the next step. But as you do, there's a ton of noise. Now, when I say noise, for Jairus, it was external. People laughing, mourning, making noise. For us, it can be external. People can make fun of us for our faith and doubt that this is genuine, sure. But a lot of times the noise comes from within. That as you begin to walk forward in Christ, there are things that you will feel in your heart that are from the enemy or even from your own flesh. Things that will say, you've been here before. You did the Jesus thing before, remember that? You did that 10 years ago, five years ago. You did that short stint two years ago. Why is this time going to be any different? You're never gonna leave this sin behind. Your marriage is never gonna be what it once was. God doesn't love you. He doesn't care about you. At best, he's just putting up with you. He's tolerating you. You're too far gone. You're alone. You're nothing. This wound that you have, it'll never get better. It's never gonna get better. You're never gonna get healed. Now look at the next part of this verse. There's all this noise. After he put them all out. Okay, who put who out here? So this is Jesus putting out everybody that is making noise. Now the word, the Greek word here is ekbalo, which means that Jesus turned into a bouncer for a moment. You know there's that old saying um, we have here on the west side that aloha is free and so is what? Cracks. Okay, okay, at the 4.30 last night, no one said anything, okay? It was just me on stage. It was terrible, okay? The law is free, so is cracks. Now, ekbalo means to violently throw everyone out, cast them out. I'm not saying Jesus beat everybody up here in this moment, but he forces them out of the house. He forces out the noise until it's just them and Jesus. Look at the last part of this story. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went into where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talita kum, which means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. So I love this, it doesn't turn into a Hollywood movie here where her eyes kind of flutter open. Maybe her chest begins to inflate with air. The scripture says she stands up and begins walking around like she was never even dead in the first place. 
And I can't imagine this scene as a weeping Jairus embraces his, uh, embraces his little girl. Now, Jesus tells them here, don't tell anybody, which is such to me, which is such a, a weird thing to tell them. Strict orders. Don't tell anybody about this. And I'm going to tell you, if I was Jesus, I would have done it a little bit differently here, that I would have been like, oh, this is sweet, this reunion you guys are having. Little girl, can you come with me real quick? There's some people I want to introduce you to. I would take her outside the house to everybody who laughed at me, and I'd be like, little girl, can you say hi to all my haters out there in the street? Water into wine, pour it on them. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's why I'm not Jesus, okay? I'm not Jesus. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Such a weird thing to say, but the reason why he did this, and you see him do it after these amazing miracles, is his time had not yet come to reveal himself as Messiah. So that time would come on Palm Sunday. That's what we celebrate, right? He comes in on the donkey, and we see the moment that he does that, the timeline of his life gets very, very short here on earth. So his time had not yet come. And it was already getting pretty difficult to travel around with all these crowds. I I really believe this. I was thinking about this. If Jesus brought this little girl around town and started showing everybody that, that he raised her from the dead, I honestly think people would start digging up cadavers and family members and just bringing them to Jesus. Don't tell me you wouldn't bring your auntie and your grandma, right? You'd bring everybody you know to Jesus to be raised again. But Jesus did not come to raise physical people in that moment. This little girl would one day hopefully live a long life and she would die another death here on earth. He did not come to raise us just physically. He came to raise us spiritually. Would you write this down? Jesus still restores the dead to life. Would you say amen? He's still in the business of doing that. That when we celebrate Easter, you and I don't come together to remember some historical figure who died a martyr at some point. That you and I, we come together to celebrate that our God is not dead, but he is very much alive. And as he was raised to life, so are we. This story, it's a physical example of a spiritual reality, an earthly example of an eternal reality. And sometimes we kind of cheapen grace and we kind of take what Jesus did and we kind of bring it down to just like things that are tangible. Let me just say this to you. I'm preaching to myself. Jesus did not come to earth and die and raise again simply so that he may bless our bank accounts. Jesus did not die and raise again so that he may change your Sunday morning routine, maybe change your Easter morning and your Christmas Eve. He did not come to make our lives a little bit better, a little bit more manageable and palatable. Jesus did not come to make uh, bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Would you say amen? amen? That is what he came to do. He came to transform us now and forevermore. And I I had this feeling last night, and I, I had it today as well, That for some of you, and I won't be talking to everybody right now, but I'm talking to some of you, that it's just been a long road. Like, even to get to church here this morning was tough for you. It's been a long road. And so I want to give you a chance at the end of service to give you a place to rest your weary head. Those who are tired, those who are struggling, those who are full of sin, 
You're the ones that Jesus calls to himself. And he's been calling you, you know it. I don't need to convince you of that. And so at the end of service, we're gonna have this moment, we're gonna pray together, but what I want to happen first is I want the noise to kind of be silenced for you. For this moment, I mean, just, if you could just, I know it's a packed sanctuary, but if you could just imagine there's nobody on your left, there's nobody on your right. The worship team is gonna come out, they're gonna play, there's gonna be these beautiful testimonies on the screen, dance, there's gonna be a lot of things happening all at one time. And so some of you are gonna soak it in, it's gonna be the cherry on top of everything we've talked about. For others of you, you're just gonna be deep in prayer during this time, and that's okay. Would you let Jesus silence the noise, and would you just be here in this moment with him? I wanna leave you with this one last verse, Ephesians 2, four through five. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Lord, I just get this sense that there are some here that they feel like they're too something. I'm too dirty, I'm too sinful, I'm too old, maybe I've done too much, maybe I'm too young, I'm just a kid, like what do, what do I know about Christ? The reality is every single one of us, Lord, it's not one of us exempt from this. You call us near to you. And there is not one of us that can approach your cross without understanding that you are the one that made the way there to your cross. There are many that you wanna bring home, young and old. And so God, I pray that you would not only stir our minds and our emotions, but would you stir our hearts, our very soul, our spirit toward you. You have been calling us. Meet us here in this moment. You are so good, God, we love you. We know that you love us so much more. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.
The people, uh, actually the people in that video sharing their testimony, they're all people that were just baptized at our last baptism we did a month ago. So you can give them a hand. That's, that's real stories, man. That's real people. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a very real God who did not just raise people 2,000 years ago, but he still raises them today. Would you say amen? 
This is the gospel in about three minutes. You and I, Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So if this is us and the Lord, you and I at some point, we have all walked away from him. And there's an emptiness that we feel apart from him. You were created to know him. And so when you hit a wall, it's actually not a bad thing because you and I, we begin to look for something else. And the thing that you have been looking for is Christ. And so if you feel weak, you feel tired, I tell you, you are ripe for restoration. And it's in this place that you and I are tired of walking or running, and we turn around, and repentance is turning away from your sin and turning towards Christ. It's not perfection, because you're never going to be perfect until you are perfected into heaven. But it's saying, Lord, this doesn't satisfy anymore. I, I want to be with you. And when we do that, there's this lie that you and I often believe. I think it's really important we address this. That you and I, when we turn away from our sin, we have this feeling, whether it's our flesh, our religion, for some of us, it's the way we were brought up in church. That we think, okay, God is now all the way over there and I'm over here. So now that I am saved or I wanna be saved, I better work really hard. I better try really hard. I better be this much sad in order to make it back to where God is. But I tell you, the reality is this, friends. No matter how far you have walked, no matter how far you have run into the darkness, when you turn towards the Lord, you understand that there is no distance to make up because he meets you right there. Would you say amen? That you are, yeah, you can give a hand to that. That's good. That's our God, that you and I, we may be messy, and we are, but our God is so good, and he is not afraid of your mess. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He became the mess in order that we might become the righteousness of God, and there is not one of you that is exempt from that invitation. What I love about Jairus, because okay, so at the end of yourself lies the beginning of your walk with Christ. It, it's taking the next step in him. What I love about Jairus is his faith isn't perfect. So we see in Luke 7, a Roman centurion comes to Jesus with a servant who's sick. And he says, say the words and I know he will be healed. While Jairus says, Jesus, you got to come all the way to my house or it's not going to work. And after he does that, I didn't realize this until recently, we have no more quotations from Jairus. Besides that first initial ask, there are no more words from this man. Why? Maybe because he had nothing significant to say. Maybe he didn't say anything through this entire ordeal, but he had enough faith beyond the noise to just keep going and keep going and keep going. I know that sometimes you feel like you need to have this perfect faith. But friends, there's never going to be a perfect time or a right time to come to Jesus. There's no better time than right now. Romans 10, 9 says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's, it's believing Christ was and is who he said he was and is. Fully God, fully man, lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, died for our sin and rose again three days later. And I know that sounds like an oversimplification. So I just believe and I'm saved. Well, the short answer is yes. And a lot of times we treat that as, okay, that's the end of our faith. But I tell you, friends, that's just the very beginning. 
That's the first step. Would you bow your heads with me? Again, you already know who you are. You know that God has been calling you to him. So in a moment, I'm gonna have you raise your hand. And it's just gonna be you and me. Like I'm gonna have all of our, our heads down, our eyes closed. But I wanna confirm this moment with you. There's some of you here that you've never put your faith in Christ before. Maybe your faith has been attached to a loved one, like a spouse or your parents or, or your kids, but it's never truly been your own. Maybe you've just never believed. Maybe you've been mad at God for so long and you just felt the shackles fall off your heart today. Maybe you're here and I described you earlier that it's been a long road, it's been a tired road. Maybe you walked with Jesus at some point and you fell away. This is gonna be your moment to return. So with all of our heads down, all of our eyes closed, I'm gonna ask that if you would like to pray with me today, right at your seat, would you raise your hand nice and high? And I just wanna know who I'm praying with this weekend. Yeah, so many of you are not alone, so do not feel, put your hand up nice and high. There are so many of you. I see you over there on the side too. I see you guys in the back. I see you guys in the back over here. I see you in the front, man. So good. Anybody else? I'm gonna give you another moment because there was just like random hands. Yeah, put them back up nice and high if you raise your hand. Amazing. Ama yeah, even more. Yeah, we'll give it another moment. Amazing, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. You're the only one who saves. Okay, again, put your hands down. Here's what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray together, and if you've prayed this prayer before, I'm just gonna ask that you would repeat it after me nice and loud. This is a significant moment. I wanna solidify it for you. This prayer is not what saves you. This prayer is not magical. It's your faith in Christ. But we're gonna pray it together. So those of you making that decision, there are many of you, but I'm gonna ask if you've prayed this before, would you repeat after me nice and loud Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner in need of a savior. Come into my heart and into my life. Change me however you want. Be my Lord and my savior. If you would just give me the joy and the pleasure of, of praying us out today, and then I'm gonna ask you to just stay in your seat just for a moment. I wanna give you just a couple of very important instructions, not just for those that made the decision, but for all of us. Lord God, I thank you for those that made that decision here today. And I thank you that we get to come together and not like celebrate and like just talk about that you did these things, but we get to see it happen right in our midst, that you take people that are dead and you bring them back to life. And so I pray, Lord, that as they walk out of here, would they feel different? Would their shoulders feel a little bit lighter? Would they breathe a little bit easier? Would, would it seem a little bit brighter, a little bit more beautiful outside? As they go home, things that were once familiar in their house, would it seem a little bit more unfamiliar? And when they sin and they fall, and we do every single day, would they rest on your grace again and again and again, it's not a hundred steps today. It's one, they took one huge crucial step today and it's one foot after the other as you call us into deeper relationship with you. We thank you for you, Jesus, that we are redeemed, we are restored, we are made new in your presence. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus and we all say together, church, amen. amen. Can we give a hand to those that made that decision?
We hope you were blessed by this weekend sermon. If this is your first time joining us, we welcome you to check out our website, newhopeleeward.org, to learn more about us and how you can get connected into our ohana. We hope you'll join us again soon.